Who's your favorite character? Is it Mary, the mother of Jesus? Is it Joseph, the adopted father? Is it the shepherds who perhaps heard first? The angels, or maybe it was that innkeeper who said there is no room. Maybe for you, it was not a human being. Maybe it was a barn animal that was your favorite. Or is your favorite character the Magi? The Magi, or the wise men, are the strangest characters in the Christmas story. There's so much that we don't know about them. How much do we really know about the Magi? How many were there? That's my question. How many magi were there really? Were they really kings or were they king makers? Did they really ride camels? Perhaps the most important question is were they really oriental? <laughs> how, how did they know, anyways, to search for the baby Jesus? And the scriptures tell us. A few things about the Magi. Let's, let's take a look. The first thing we know is the Magi were seeking the one who was born king of the Jews, the scriptures tell us. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now they probably rode into town with an entourage, with sort of a a small army, and with a lot of commotion. People knew that they entered town, and they were asking people, where is this one who was born king of the Jews? The scriptures tell us, and the second thing we read in verse 3 is that King Herod was very agitated. He was angry because the Magi were looking for a newborn king. Verse 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. Now Herod called himself the king of the Jews. And so when the Magi came into town and said, we're looking for the one called the king of the Jews, he was saying, I'm here, you're looking at him right here. But they were looking for someone else. And so he was upset and angry that another king was getting all the attention. Now the Magi knew, uh, assumed that people in town knew about a newborn king. But Herod was uncomfortable with this, and he was yet very diplomatic. In verse 4 it says, When he had called together all the chief people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. The third thing we find out about the Magi in the scriptures is they were eager to find the newborn king. And so they followed the star that led them there. In verse 9 it says, And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, 
They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Every year around Christmas time, you, you hear about astronomers, scientists, and even planetariums that have events that try to explain that star, that Bethlehem star that guided the Magi. Now, it probably wasn't a star as we know stars. We look up in the night sky on a clear night and, and we see stars, and, but their star appeared and disappeared. It, it guided them, it moved, and it reappeared again. So what was that star? We, we really don't really know what that star was. Maybe it was like what the Shekinah glory in the Old Testament was about, the visual expression of God's glory. Or maybe it was that, that same sort of Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel in the desert. If you remember, in the wilderness, they needed to be guided, and so there was a pillar of, of cloud by day and a pillar of flames by night. Or maybe it was the same glory that star was, the same glory that the shepherds saw at the announcement of Jesus' birth. Whatever it was, to the Magi, it looked like them, looked like to them that it was a star, and it guided them to the Christ child. And they gave gifts. Have you ever given a gift to a baby? Maybe you have a baby brother or sister or a nephew or a niece or a neighbor or a friend that's a, that's a newborn baby, and you went over to bring greetings, and so you brought them a gift. What did you give them? What kind of gifts do you give a baby? The story of the Magi is mysterious, and there's so much that the scriptures don't tell us. But what we do know about the Magi is that they gave three strange gifts to the Christ child. And I've asked Garrett, and I've asked Dave, and I've asked Thomas to talk to us about what the giving of those gifts might mean. Garrett, would you come and talk to us about that first gift? You got it. At this point in the service, we're actually going to invite the children to come sit in the front row. So if you are normally in Nova Kids, come on up. Come sit in the front row. If we run out of seats, you can sit on the floor. There's a lot more of you than I thought. You guys were hiding. We really can't get your parents to sit up here, so we're going to fill the space with you guys this time. Uh, cool. So this is fun. This is like Nova Kids, except we're in the worship center and your parents are here with us, watching behind you. Um, so as Pastor Dean uh, read to us, the Magi gave some pretty interesting gifts. The first one that they gave was gold, and it might have been transported in a box like this. And in this bag, I have actual gold colored coins. Um, now they're, they're actually, it's actually pretty cool. They're, they're really old coins from different countries all over the world, different time frames. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to give this to you guys. You can pick one out, hold on to it. This is your gift from Nova today. You can pick one out. Don't spill it all out and find the best one. Just whatever you get, you get. <laughs> so take one down and pass it around. So I don't know about you guys, but gold seems like a really interesting gift 
to give to Jesus. One, he's a baby. I mean, what's a baby going to do with gold? Um, Secondly, from what we know about Jesus, he really wasn't into uh, obtaining as many earthly possessions as possible, as obtaining wealth or anything like that. So, I don't know. Maybe the Magi were confused as to who Jesus were. Maybe they didn't fully understand. There are a lot of theories as to why the Magi gave Jesus gold. Um, some more crazy than others, but there, the real reason is more symbolic than just giving him Jesus because he just wanted gold. In the Old Testament, when people would come up to a king, when they would come to a king and ask for services or to talk with him, they often first presented a gift, and oftentimes that gift was gold. If we look in 2 Chronicles 9, the Queen of Sheba actually comes up to King Solomon seeking advice. King Solomon was a king in ancient Israel, very, very wise man, and the Queen of Sheba was looking for advice. But before she came to Solomon, she first presented him with a gift of gold. It was very common. It was a very, very common practice. So the Magi, when they give Jesus gold, they're basically saying, this baby is a kingly figure. This baby is a king. Not in the same sense that he was going to be a political leader in Israel, but that he is a ruler over all things, that he is a protector for all people. And in Matthew, Matthew is a book primarily written toward the Hebrew audience. And so they would understand and have a basic knowledge, if not a very good knowledge, of the Old Testament and all those stories of people giving kings gifts of gold. And therefore, when the Hebrew people would then read Matthew... They would understand, a light bulb would click, that, oh, this baby is being given gold, this baby is a kingly figure, this baby is a protector and a ruler of all people. But that's not the only gift that was given to Jesus by the Magi, and Pastor Dave's actually going to come up, and he's going to talk to us about that next gift, so come on up, Pastor Dave. All right, there you guys. All right. Okay, so the second gift that the Magi gave was the gift of frankincense. Pretty cool. So frankincense, well, we'll see here. Hold on, guys. Hold on. <laughs> My wife asked me, asked me if I tested this. <laughs> I told her I did. All right. So frankincense, kids, frankincense, they would have brought it in a treasure box, just like Garrett had up here, so, something like this. It says they, brought, they opened their treasures. In the Greek there, it means treasure box. So if you've ever seen a treasure box, it would be something kind of cool like this. And for the next gift was frankincense. Frankincense is like a perfume. Does any of your moms wear perfume? Yeah, yeah, we've got a few here. That's right, there we go. And the rest of you, that's okay. They don't need it. They don't need it. <laughs> They smell good without it. Well, the difference with frankincense, though, is that you don't actually spray it on yourself. You burn it. You burn frankincense to make the room smell nice. And so let's, let's burn a little bit here and see what we can do. 
Now, frankincense was rare, and so it was only burned, it would be burned in maybe a temple, so with a sacrifice for a god, or it would be burned in a palace for a king, or maybe if you're really rich, you would burn it at your wedding to to, uh, make your wedding smell nice. But it was very expensive. It was rare. The frankincense comes from the sap of a tree, a certain kind of tree. In southern Arabia or in India, they're very rare. And so back in those days, only wealthy people could afford frankincense. It was a kingly gift, a gift that you would give to a king. And so what often would happen is if a king would have a child, especially a firstborn son, a son who's going to become the next king, then all the wealthy people in his empire would give him gifts And ambassadors from other kingdoms would come and give him gifts to honor the birth of his his firstborn son, who's going to be the new king. And so these wise men heard that a king had been born, and so they travel in. And what happens generally is that when someone would give a gift to a king, a king would then return the favor, and the king would give them a gift. This is a culture where if you give a gift, someone else gives you a gift in return. You You trade, basically reciprocity. And so for these wise men, they're coming and, ex- and they're bringing these expensive gifts expecting to get a gift back. And so, and, and they, so they, they hear, we don't know exactly how, but they find out that the, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel has been born. And so they expect naturally that this king will be born in a palace. And so they come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel. So they go to Jerusalem, and they say, hey, King Herod, we're here. Where's your new son? Where's the new baby? Where's the new king? And King Herod says, I have no clue what what you're talking about. I kill my sons because I don't want them to take over. So (laughs) seriously. So he doesn't know what they're talking about, but he doesn't say that to them. He says, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And so basically they find out that there's been a prophecy that the, the, the Messiah, the future king of Israel, who's going to reign forever, will be born in Bethlehem. So they travel to Bethlehem, they find the family of Jesus, and they quickly realize that this is not a, a, a rich family. This is peasants, a peasant family. They can't afford to give, uh, to give these wise men expensive gifts in return. And so, but the wise men don't care. It says that they uh, rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's an old Jewish way of saying they got really excited. They started high-fiving, they started chest bumping, maybe doing some flips or something. Maybe not, they're old. But yeah, so they're excited. They're fired up. I don't know what old people do when they're really excited. Um, toasting, I don't know. They're really, really excited. And so they're, they're high-fiving, and they give these expensive gifts. And frankincense was very, very expensive, and they give it to Jesus. And what, we don't know for sure what Jesus' family did with that, but possibly, do you remember how King Herod tried to kill baby Jesus? He came and he killed all the, the baby boys in Bethlehem. And so Jesus' family had to get out of there. They had to book out of there and go to Egypt. And so they're poor. They're peasant family. So how did they support themselves? Well, possibly they sold some of these things. Maybe they sold the frankincense, and it would have given them a lot of money to live on, at least until Joseph could find some work there. So it's possible that these gifts from the Magi actually helped Jesus to survive when he escaped. So Jesus, though, he ultimately did give the Magi a gift in return. He didn't, he didn't just accept their gift, but he actually gave them a gift that's even much more valuable than frankincense. Can you guys think of what Jesus may have given to the Magi that would be so valuable? Yeah. Christ, he gave them 
forgiveness? Yeah, you're right on the right track. Joshua then, his spirit, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are all, all right on the right track. So Jesus, ultimately, he died for the sins of the world so our sins can be forgiven if we trust in him and we can live with God forever. We can have eternal life. That's an incredible gift. That's better than just having a little bit of money or some riches or some really nice perfume uh, living forever. And so Jesus then, after he did this, before he went up to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, hey, take my gift and take it to the whole world. Take this good news to the whole world. And so the people reading the book of Matthew, they would have remembered the very beginning the Magi bring Jesus a gift, and now at the very end, Jesus sends his disciples out to give the whole world a gift of eternal life. And so that's our jobs. We're Jesus' disciples too. And so we want to take the good news of Jesus. We're his ambassadors taking his good news, his gift to the world. All right, so what we're going to do now, guys, is I'm going to let you in a moment come forward and smell this if you want. Smell the, the uh, franken, whoa, you, frankincense burning. And... I have a little gift of frankincense for each of you if you would like to take it home. And I don't know what you'll do with it. Don't eat it, but <laughs> ask your parents for advice. So I, I, I don't think it's expensive anymore, but uh, in the old days it was. So, okay, so come on up slowly, carefully. Why don't we start over here and just kind of line up, smell the frankincense and take a bag and then go back to your seat. Okay, you can smell it already. Wow, good nose here. Good nose. Oh, oh, no, don't go back, to your, all, go back to your seat over here. Yeah, yeah. Because we still got old Thomas coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, Thomas, you're up. <laughs> right on, Dave. Thanks. You didn't get one. Hey, first of all, I'm really disappointed that I didn't get one of these cool, like, purple, blue boxes. I just have, I just have this basket. <laughs> So the, the, uh, the last gift that we know about that the Magi brought uh, was myrrh. And myrrh is uh, it's a resin that comes from trees, and it's, it's sweet-smelling as well. And here, you, you guys can... I'm going to give it up front. You can just take this, just stick your nose right in the basket and smell it. And then you can take a rock, a little... It's a, called a tear, right? It's called a tear of resin that comes from the tree. You can smell it. Take one. You can keep it. You can throw it with your frankincense if you want, or just hang on to it. Don't eat it. It looks like... Other things, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> so myrrh, it, it was partially used as a, like a perfume. Like it, it smelled good. It wasn't, it wasn't as expensive as frankincense. Uh, it wasn't as, uh, as, as strong. Smell. Like I can smell this. Like, whoo, like it's coming up at me. Oh, by the way, if you guys want, <laughs> you can come smell it afterwards too. <laughs> Get the full experience. Um, but myrrh was also used as uh, part of the, the burial process. Uh, for, for Egyptians and even uh, Israelites. Um, they, they used this to, to uh, put with the, bo- the body. Um, and so <laughs> myrrh, um, it, it kind of preserved the body a little bit. It kind of wicked away moisture to extend the, the life of, of dead bodies. And so the Egyptians used this even in the mummification process. And so some of you may have noticed what I brought up here. <laughs> <laughs> And so, do you want to? Yeah, come here, come here. All right. So I want you to hang on, hang on to this, and now start spinning in a circle. Oh, no. That was too fast. It was too fast. Go slower. Go slower. There we go. Here we go. And so, 
the Egyptians would use this <laughs> to preserve bodies, just like the Israelites. They, would, they wouldn't use toilet paper. They would use cloth, <laughs> and they would wrap this, they would rub this, this kind of thing on the body to preserve the body, and then wrap it in cloth. Wait, we've got to get your face. All right, it's perfect. All right, go grab a seat. <laughs> and so rubbing, rubbing, rubbing the myrrh on the body, rubbing the myrrh on the, the dead bodies, rubbing the myrrh on the dead bodies would help to preserve the bodies. And so this, this even happened... Uh, for, for Jesus. When Jesus died, Nicodemus, who came to visit Jesus at night, he, he came, he brought 75 pounds of myrrh mixed with aloe to, to coat Jesus' body when he died and to wrap him in cloth. And so this is, this is a very odd gift to give to a newborn baby, uh, to give to this new life that's in the world. I mean, this, this really is a gift that is meant for death. And, you know, I don't think that the Magi were thinking, like, all right, like, we know where Jesus is going. Like, this is, this is, a, this is what this is for. Like, I mean, it was fairly expensive back then, too. So they're just giving, giving this newborn king an expensive gift. But this really is a gift that was meant for death. And, you know, I think it was God's providential hand that led them to give Jesus this gift. Um, to give this newborn baby a gift that was meant for death. And it was him, here you go. Uh, it was Jesus who was born, newborn baby that was born ultimately to go die and to die for us. And I think we all know someone who has died. And this was used to, I mean, this myrrh was used to preserve the body, to extend life for as long as possible after death, to just preserve the body. Like the Egyptians, what they believed is that the soul would leave the body and eventually the soul would come back to the body. Um, but they just wanted to extend it as much as possible. And, and I think we do the same thing with, with, with people that we know in, in different ways. Different cultures do different things, but... You know, we, we want to preserve the memory of those who have passed. And we, we might do this by uh, talking about them, telling stories about them, or having pictures of them in our house, or telling our, our children stories about uh, those who have come before us. We, we long for something to make life go on a little bit longer. But, but that's the ultimate problem, is that we all die. Every single one of us will, will, will die. And even Jesus died, but he died in, in a different way because he died for us. He died for us in the biggest way possible because he died in our place, in our stead, so that we could have eternal life forever and ever. And so when I think of myrrh now, I, I, we see that right at the beginning of Jesus' life. It just makes me think forward to the ultimate thing, and his death. And so, you know, when I see a mummy, like uh, Kent, old Kendall here, or when I think of myrrh, I think of, I think of death. And Jesus' ultimate gift of death for us so that we could live 
forever. So now I'd like uh, Pastor Ron to come up and he'll give us some closing words. I want to just add a little information to Pastor Dave's uh, message. He's wondering how old people celebrate. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, this is the way. Well, we've heard, the, <laughs> we've heard the biblical account of the wise men as it was read. And we heard that uh, wise men and wise women, what they did then and what they do now. We found that the wise men made four particular choices. First of all, they chose to go to Bethlehem. Secondly, they chose to fall down and worship Jesus. Thirdly, they decided to give him gifts. And finally, on the very last verse, verse 12 of Matthew chapter 2, they made one final decision that we know about, and that is they decided to go a different route home. The bottom line is simply then as they chose to come to Jesus and to worship him. And as we celebrate uh, Jesus' birthday today, what shall we bring as a present for our king, for King Jesus? Well, we'll bring a song. That's what we'll bring. We'll sing a song for the king. What shall we bring to our king? Well, what's most important is we will bring our hearts and give our hearts to him. We will bring our hearts. So wise men and wise women make wise choices about Jesus. And each and every day we have to make a choice. And the wisest choice that we could all bring, whether we're young Nova kids, or whether we're old codgers like me, we can bring our hearts to Jesus. And when you really think about it, that's all Jesus actually asks for. He asks for our hearts. That's the greatest gift that we could ever give to Jesus. And with that thought in mind, I'd like to have you stand and for the benediction. My benediction to you, my Christian friends, is that you go and you continue to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that his peace, that his comfort, his strength, and his light will be yours. Not only in this day, but as you leave this place of worship, and you begin next day, and soon begin a next year, that you will be a light and dark in this dark world, that the peace that is Jesus will be yours, that the comfort and the strength and the power will be yours as you go and walk with him, the Savior and the Lord and the King who is born on this day.
So from the staff, and on behalf of the staff, I wish you a Merry Christmas. God bless you all.